podcast with Rod Black, brought to you by North Star Bets. That's a win. Now here's your host, Rod Black. Well, welcome to another edition of the Rodcast. This time, we're in studio. And it's only when we're in studio that we have a very special guest. And who better than my pal, Craig Forrest. How you doing, Blackie? Nice to see you. Soccer football. I'll, I'll call it football for you. because I do, do, do you get mad when people say soccer? Not really. Saying, no. It's kind of interchangeable. Yeah, or footy. Yeah. I mean, look at the league, Major League Soccer, Toronto FC. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's inter- interchangeable. Anyway, uh, great Canadian yeah. player, broadcaster, all-around good guy. And here we are on the verge of another World Cup. This one more significant because Canada's in. Yeah. Yeah. How and cool is that? It's so cool. I mean, it's it's been an incredible run. And and just the run itself and then what happened for two decades before that, just one disaster after another. And then the last cycle with Honduras getting slaughtered. Mm-hmm. And that was that wasn't even in the final stage yet, you know. So it's a lot of disappointments and uh and then John Herman comes along to the program, turns the women's, you know, well, we continued on a progression with the women, I think. They 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 were still very good. Mm-hmm. Um, we're way well ahead of the the world for the most part. He's been a he's been a footy whisperer though, hasn't he, John Herdman? There's something. What is it about him that makes him so special? That makes him such a winner and that yeah. helped. I mean, it's clearly it's also the the generation and the players. Right. But yeah. Was he the secret sauce? I think so. I really do. Yeah. I never doubted that he would do well because we. I mean, with with Sportsnet, we followed the national program women's and we did Olympic qualifying before 2012, where they got bronze and that whole. Uh, screwed up with the U.S. situation and everything, which was which was really kind of added to the the theater. I think of that, you know, and, and it was nice that they won the bronze as opposed to, you know, it's silver. You know, mm. sometimes when you you know it's like when you you finish second, it's like it's better yeah, than yeah. bronze. But no, you won the bronze medal, and it yeah. was that was special. Silver, you lose gold, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, it's it's got a little bit more heartbreak to it, I think. But so they they did really well, and then he gets a chance to move into the men's program and. You know, he did that quite seamlessly too, because you got to think where the women are coming from, you know, what they think about that. Like he, you know, talks such a great thing and the team and bonding and family, and then he moves over to the men's program. Uh, so would they feel abandoned? Well, no, because he's, you know, he, he's such a good people person that, you know, he's always challenging them to challenge themselves. And it's not that the men's program is, you know, bigger and better, but it, it's, it is bigger at the moment and it, and it, it's more challenging and the competition and whatnot. So he's challenged himself and he believes in himself and he got an opportunity here. But you have to remember too, John, he also grew up really tough, right? Like in Northeast of England, uh, um, what was it? Ormskirk, not Ormskirk, um, little town, about 14 miles outside of Newcastle, uh, hit really hard with the, mm-hmm. you know, unemployment and grew up in that, uh, you know, he's a small guy. You can imagine the bullying he would have got. He couldn't play football well enough because he's so small. And then opportunities for guys like that in England are few and far between. It is an amazing story though, when yeah. you think about it. Yeah. So he ends up in New Zealand. I think they, him and his wife basically put the plane tickets on a visa, didn't have the money. He's the Ted Lasso yeah. of, of England, goes to New Zealand. Right? Yeah, yeah that's starts, right. starts the program. Make, yeah. and, and, you know, like, I hate to be cliche, but if you watch Ted Lasso, which is a fantastic Isn't show. It? It's it great. It really is. Um, the word believe. Yeah. I think that is entrenched in yeah. John Herdman's psyche. Yeah. I and mean, these guys will, will go out that game of Belgium. I mean, anything could happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they, they got something from it. It wouldn't surprise me if Belgium won 4-0 either. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, but I do know they're going to have a go. And they'll walk on that pitch and they'll think 
that they're going to win the World Cup. Like that's what that's what they will believe. Now, will that get knocked out of them in the first game? I hope not. I don't think so. But uh, that's what they'll believe. So let's, because um, there's so much I want to talk to you about, including uh, your journey in the game. But let, let's let's talk about, you know, the lead up to this World Cup mm-hmm. and Qatar and how hot it's probably going to be there at the same time, but also the injuries that have suddenly crept up yeah. for Canada. Yeah. Yeah, the injuries, uh, I mean, last, was it last week? I Bad guess. timing, huh? Like terrible Terrible timing, timing but... The World Cup's terrible timing. Mm-hmm. It's in the winter. Mm-hmm. The leagues in Europe are playing heavy schedules. They're playing yeah. three three games a week, and that's a lot of that's a lot of pressure. Usually, I mean, two a week you can handle, but for the last two months they've been doing this. They've been cramming in European competitions. They've been cramming in their league schedules because of this long break. Mm-hmm. Premier League's back playing. I think well, three days after the World Cup ends, I think they got a cup game, and then three days after that the Premier League kicks in again. So. It's, it's, it's intense for them. And nobody's really thinking of that. They just want Premier League, want what they want, or you know, the Bundesliga or the Serie A or whatever league. Mm-hmm. They'll want their, their, their money and their cake, and so does UEFA and so does FIFA. And the players are the ones that are getting hurt. So there's always a chance, right? And I thought we were going to get away with it. And for the most part, we have. Um, Alfonso was a scare, uh, but luckily... He's he, going to be okay, right? He's going to be okay. Uh, Bayern Munich said... Uh, to Canada that well, he's going to be fine for the World Cup, but we don't want him playing in that friendly uh, against Japan, which is just before the World Cup. Um, they do have a say in that because he got injured with Bayern Munich. So uh, Bayern Munich as well would be dealing with 12, 12 different associations. I mean, their players are flying, are playing for every country in the world. I mean, he is a tier 1A player. Um, so it's interesting how that uh, they do have a say in that uh, and, when, and whether he would play. And believe it or not, I mean, if this was a qualifying, section he wouldn't be coming they would just shut that down he would not be coming remember I mean, he only played seven of the 14 qualifying games anyway to show how deep canada was alfonso was missing for seven how important though is alfonso davies to be healthy to get a a first win uh, canada has yeah. been at the world cup before in 1986 yeah we did not win um but i think you know when you look at the rankings i mean two i think 12 22 in that group yeah. Canada's 41. Yeah. You know, odds makers, betting, betting man would say. But with this team, this this group of, of players, I, I get a sense that those rankings don't count. Am, am, am I wrong in that? Yeah, well, th- this is what we hope, right? Yeah. I mean... Uh, and, and, and is it dependent on Alfonso Davies? Um, no, well, not necessarily, because, yeah. I mean, he, he played, like I said, in seven of the 14 group stage matches for the last group. He was missing for seven. Mm. I mean, usually when you're missing... Canada be missing anybody like that it's it's you're out you're done mm-hmm. um but we showed that we have so much depth right and the rest of the players have lifted their game so I think we're we're, we're stronger than the parts that we have and or certainly on paper so you know even guys like uh, old player I played with at Chelsea Frank LeBeouf World Cup winner in uh, 98 he's got Canada going to the semifinals wow like okay do you, do you have Canada going to the semifinals if, if my life depended on it no, no. absolutely not if my life depended on it, your heart says. My heart says. My heart says Canada's winning the World Cup. Yeah, but right, goodness, you know, right. for Canada to win a World Cup, and, and let's keep in mind what the women did at the Olympics too. Yeah. But for Canada to win the World Cup would be akin to a United States hockey team. Oh wait, they did that back in 1980. So you know what I mean? Like they're, right. they're, you, it would I'm be. Not, I don't want to use the term miracle. Mm. A lot of stuff would have to fall in place. Obviously. It would have to, yeah. I mean, I've obviously dig deep in sort of many things as Morocco, the teams as well, you know, Croatia and Belgium. 
Um, but you got to get out of that pool first. You, you got to get out of two. that. So you got to be top two. Belgium have a stack of tier one players. They are a golden generation. They're getting older. Mm-hmm. Um, where rank number two in the world. Rank number two in the world. But they're also because they're getting older, um, having some issues uh, with the physical side of things. Lukaku's question questionable uh, whether you'd be able to be fit for that first game, um, and a few of the other ones as well, getting a little bit uh, that way. So hopefully that could catch them off guard. But they are. Kevin De Bruyne, Man City player alone, is he can win games on his own. Mm-hmm. He, he's done that for Man City this year, even when you know Haaland hasn't played, and um, he is you know third in Ballon d'Or, which is player you know World Player of the Year. This 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 guy can change games. Go to Croatia, then you got Luka Modric, thirty-seven years old. He's playing like he's eighteen years of age. Like he's just running out. Like he's unbelievable. I don't know how he's doing it, but he again can master games. They have depth, they have Perisic, they have, they have Croatian side, and they got a lot of heart. Like they're just, I played with three of them, uh, Davor Shukar, one of the greatest ones ever, Slavin Bilic, uh, Igor Stimak were at West Ham, um, playing with those guys and, you know, they were, they finished third, I believe in 98. So, um, yeah, you know, and, and that, that spirit that they have, you know, I mean, they're a pretty new country, right? And all the breakup of, you know, the former mm-hmm. Yugoslavia. So there's, you know, a lot of, a lot of heart there. So, is the match with Morocco the match when you think of you look at it? I mean, the first one against Belgium. If you could, if you could pull off an upset, yeah, you could really put yourself in a driver's seat potentially. Yeah. yeah. But you know, if the chips fall the way they, you know, predictors probably think they might. Mm-hmm. Is the Morocco match the big one? They hope it means something, mm-hmm. right? If they have to win against Morocco, I think they would take it mm-hmm. to get out of the group. That would be a fantastic thing. But Morocco's another side. They, most of the players aren't born in Morocco. They're, they're, they've uh, benefited from the immigration into Europe uh, a couple of generations ago. And uh, born in Belgium, Switzerland, Spain, Germany, um, France, of course, lots of French uh, Moroccans as well. Uh, so they benefited from that. And they got a really strong side. They're playing in a lot of top clubs and they cruise through qualifying as well, score a lot of goals. So, and that African region is uh, unpredictable, um, but they certainly are a, a side that would, would think the same as Canada, that we got a shot to getting out of the group. So that's what, they're, that's what you're kind of dealing with. I should mention that you are one of the stars of Footy Prime as well on, uh, uh, with the Toronto Stars podcasts. Mm. Um, how many days a week are you doing that, by the way? Four. You're, yeah. So you, you don't sleep. You're, you're like, yeah. you're, you're, you're well, like. Well, actually, you know what it's like. You got your studio about five feet away well, that's, from your bed. So that was, the only good thing that ever happened, there's nothing good that happened because of the pandemic. The only good thing was that you could actually do television or whatever it is, monitor vision from home, the Zoom. And, it, and then it became acceptable. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, right? you could never do it before, you know, because it was on CNN or cbc news suddenly oh okay yeah we can do it off your computer yeah before it was like can you get to the studio and sit there in front of a camera and do all this it was a real effort now it's just prop yourself up so what's it like though um in your own little cocoon your 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 footy cocoon i mean do you have all your games matches going do you have all the stats going is it like Studio Forest? Yeah, pretty much. I, I, I don't have multiple games. Brendan Dunlop loves multiple games on, but I tend to like to watch one at a time and hop around a little bit, but depending on how the games are going. But yeah, yeah, not quite not that crazy. And I know it's uh, gained a lot of traction. You have a lot of followers. Uh, and the reason I ask you is because I couldn't imagine the traction and steam you're going to have leading up to something that Canada hasn't been involved with in eons. How old were you in 1986? 
Well, in fact, I was already, I was in England already. I went yeah. to England in 84. Yeah. yeah. So for two years, I was over there. Actually, in fact, Ipswich were phoning up the CSA saying, uh, yeah. And yeah. And it, the crickets. Yeah. Crickets. Yeah. The CSA haven't really, I mean, yeah. everything's kind of done independently. But, but so imagine, I, I would imagine, I'm not speaking for you, but you might have had some FOMO over the years, fear of missing out. Yeah. As a, a football soccer star in Canada, one of the best keepers we've ever had, um, well, the best keeper we've ever had, and doing all of these things for the for the game, isn't it crazy to think that it took this long? It's almost like a, to a hockey fan. I cannot believe that the Maple Leafs, sorry, Toronto fans, haven't won a cup in a long time or haven't won a yeah. first round. Is that the similar kind of sentiment you must have around... Mm. soccer and football because you would have thought potentially you might have been at a world cup well yeah and the frustrating thing is like 1990 there wasn't a fifa rule so the clubs didn't have to release you mm, yeah they, they just say no we're not releasing you and i mean there's a bit of a story about that because because in 1990 or not even 89 or maybe 88 when the world cup qualifying started they had to play canada had to play a pre-qualifying round against guatemala home and away shouldn't be an issue, right? 86 guys were around, blah, blah, blah. Um, and, in, and in England, I, I hadn't been in the first team in an awful long time at Ipswich. And the manager, John Duncan, actually passed away recently, so, you know, God rest him. He was a fantastic man. But anyway, he, uh, he said to me, he said, you know, the way I function at this club is if anybody's playing well, I'm not going to take them out. So you can go to Canada and play for Canada, but the backup keeper's going in, and if he plays well, just expect when you come back, you might not get in. But if you want, I'll take the pressure off you. So instead of you saying no to Canada, if you decided you want to stay with the club, um, I'll, I'll say I won't release you. Mm -hmm. Take the pressure off you. So that's what I did. Um, and then we ended up losing on away goals. Drew 4-4, four, four, I think, and mm -hmm. lost on away goals. And it was like such a great chance to make it like 86 mexico didn't have to qualify so that qualifying seg, uh, seg mexico wasn't there they had mm -hmm. already they were hosting it right so 1990 they were banned for playing under overage players in an in over se, another 17 tournament so they weren't even in the qualifiers we had this great what you had to do is get to the golden last ticket almost golden ticket us wasn't really good they were becoming a factor mm -hmm. and then in 1994 uh, same thing before they expanded the World Cup qualifying to three and a half teams in CONCACAF. So in 1994, we finished second. Today, that would get you in. in. We were tied with Mexico going yeah. to the last game. We got screwed over in Honduras a couple for bad penalties uh, that actually they came back and drew 2-2. So it took two points away from us. So we needed to beat Mexico um, at home in Toronto on the last game. Uh, we were told it was going to be all pro-Canadian. It was sold out crowd, but it was... 50% Mexican. We got whistled when we got, we came out, you know, in Canada and, and part of soccer is such a, the fans are so influential in the game that you need that. And it's, we, we're usually playing away at home. It, it says a lot though, about how far the, the sport has come. The sport has come in Canada. And again, you know, because of the timing when you were born and when you grew up playing it, yeah. it, it didn't rival even in participation, I would argue other sports. Now I would argue that the two sports that are played more by any Canadian, it's not hockey. Mm -hmm. It's soccer and basketball because you That's have an right. opportunity. 
It's simple. And now there is a following for this sport. Mm -hmm. That's right. And that and that's basically a lot and of people media say too. I'm going to blame. Hey, I, I'll blame us too. I'll blame the media. Yeah. You did not get the coverage. There was no MLS and you did not get the coverage. Yeah. yeah. If, if there was a little soccer right up, it was in the, you know, the bottom of the star or the global sure. right at the bottom. Oh, and yeah. Craig Forrest backstops Canada. And it hasn't changed. How frustrating was that though? Well, yeah. And now it, you're a media guy. Yeah, now you're, yeah, well, exactly. And I mean, in 1993, we, we played in the, well, because we finished second CONCACAF, well, it was called one and a quarter spot. So we actually had a backdoor route, but that was Australia, mm -hmm. home and away. And if we beat them, then we had to play Diego Maradona in Argentina. And then if we beat that, then we were in the World Cup. Um, and you talk about games and um, just fishing us around it. That game against Mexico, for the first time only in my, my career, uh, a German referee came over and refereed that game. Uh, in CONCACAF, yeah. Really? Yeah, and it, it was very bizarre. Um, and we, as a team- give, give me your best conspiracy theory on that one. Well, oh, well, okay, I'll give you one. Uh, there's no way in 1994 that FIFA could afford Mexico not being in the United States. And if we beat them, there was a fairly good chance that they were gonna miss out or Argentina. Mm -hmm. And they didn't want either one of them to miss out. They sell more jerseys almost than anybody. It's almost like a home World Cup. Mexico have to be there. There was it was a big thing. We wanted to. We talked about this in in when they were in Hamilton against the U.S. John Herman brought the pitch in, right? Is all within the legal mm -hmm. diameters of the of the FIFA rules. But he brought it in because he wanted to narrow the pitch because of the U.S. and they like to play with some width and wide players and whatnot. That's what we want to do with Mexico. We, cut it down two yards on each side. Doesn't seem like a lot, but it is, you know, especially when you're playing against a technically gifted side. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're talking about Hugo Sanchez. And uh, they love were to run, Campos love, love open field. Right, so we wanted to do that. We came to the game and it was it was actually wider and it was as wide as it could possibly be at Varsity Stadium. It was just nearly on the track. And it was just so strange, you know, just everything about that. And Years later, does stuff like that piss you off? Like, I mean, it, it's easy to look yeah. back and go, because you tried so hard, you were, you know, you're this close, and then you realize outside forces may have had something to do with it. Yeah, well, we thought that a lot, a long time. I mean, the Gold Cup in 2000, uh, Jack Warner, Seth Blatter, Chuck Blazer, these guys are all, well, Blazer's dead, but he was gonna to go to prison. Uh, Seth Blatter, you know where he's got, what mm -hmm. his situation is now. Jack Warner, they, they, they want him extradited to the United States from Trinidad and Tobago. He's got enough protection there that they won't. These are like outright criminals running the organization. Yeah. And we knew this for years. And every time, and we, we played Trinidad in the, in the semi, semi-finals of the Gold Cup. And referee gave them a penalty. It wasn't particularly, it was dodgy a little bit. And it's like, it was, we were fighting that. We always felt that we were, we were a man down anytime we played. And then we didn't have the advantage of playing at home in front of a really, you know, boisterous crowd that would get behind us and things like this. In fact, if we played Jamaica, um, we played them in Toronto or in uh, Vancouver, in Burnaby at Swangard Stadium. And we love came up- Love we, Swangard Stadium. Isn't that a beautiful setting? Oh, I love it. Great for track and field yeah, and all. beautiful place. Yeah. So we come out and they've, they've got a Jamaican steel band playing. Oh. And they're doing limbo dancing and all that. <laughs> it, they were great, but, yeah. right? The place is full of Jamaicans. We are, we are in Canada. Right? And you know what, it hasn't, as much as this cycle seems as though massive changes have happened, I can go back uh, one of our earlier podcasts, nearly about th two, two and a half years ago, mm -hmm. Alex McKechnie was on there that night. And, and, and John Director of Sports Science for the Toronto Raptors, 
a guy who has got a ton of championship rings, great friend of yours, great, um, I I would imagine has done a lot for you uh, physically as well through the years. He was, yeah, 20 years ahead of, you know, that core training stuff. He was doing that. Shout out to Silver. We'll get to Silver in a sec. Yeah, so, uh, and then, yeah, so then Fitzy was also on there too. John Fitzgerald. Canada plays in Toronto midweek against the United States. The place isn't even half full. And they won that game. It was a massive game for Canada. It was a nation's mm-hmm. league, whatever. It wasn't even half full. And I'm like, what's going on here? Like, if this was Toronto FC playing against Columbus yeah. Crew, this place would be packed. Yeah. What is going like? Is there no belief in this team? Well, promotion, belief, media. Yeah. Um, yeah. So where it is now, it still has growth where the game has come. But oh my goodness, it must make your heart just burst at the seams mm-hmm. with how everybody's talking about great players like Davies and David and yourself from the past and Dwayne DeRosario and the mm-hmm. Hall of Famers and everybody, you know, Jose Altador, you go you go on yeah. and on of people who've made an imprint on this sport in Canada and where it's yeah. going. And I would suggest that you're not even 50% of where it could be. I would agree with that, yeah. I mean, sometimes you have to forget because it's like a, the, the evolution of it is mm. quite slow at times, right? Mm. It seems slow. But we look where the women's program has gone. I mean, we're looking for a league for them. I mean, economically, it's a you know when it comes down to that, it's really tough. I mean, they got the Canadian Premier League going right now, and this that's a that was a must. We needed to have that. Mm-hmm. But again, it, that's losing money. You know, yeah. you know what I mean. Like so, yeah, the, the, business economically, it has to make sense. It has to make sense, and it's difficult. The size of us, it's not like in mm-hmm. England, you get on a bus. And the rest of the world has got really serious about women's football too. England, when I was playing there, you, nothing. Like you saw no media about it, no coverage. In fact, in 2005, they had the European Championship, uh, Women's Championship, and they were playing in non-league grounds. But so, so with all the stadium they had in, mm-hmm. in England, they couldn't even fill, they were getting less than a thousand people for Germany against Holland, and things like that. 17 years later, they have the event again in England and they're selling out Wembley Stadium. So, you know, you see where that step's gone. And then the Premier League have now gone, hey, this is, we're getting serious. And then in Spain, Real Madrid and Bar- Barcelona kicks Real Madrid's ass. Now in the women's game, so now they got to get better at it, right? Yeah. So it's just lifting it. We've got girl, we got women at uh, Chelsea and. You know, well, I would say also States. that uh, the United States program and that quantum leap it took mm-hmm. has also made Canada go, hey, hey, yeah, we're here too. Yeah, and part of that, and that's money too. That's money related. The United mm-hmm. States threw a ton of money at the program. Yeah, and MLS was massive for them, right? Mm-hmm. And MLS nearly folded many, many times in the late 90s. It was just every time Frank Yelp, who was ended up being LA Galaxy's coach, when Beckham was there, he was playing for Tampa at the time, who folded. But he said, oh, I'm not sure if there's going to be a league next year. And this was every single year for a long time. And they managed to you know, get a bit of a footing, no TV money or anything like that. And it's, they got a deal now with Apple. But it's been a struggle for them, right? But they are the third most popular league in the United States. Mexican League MX is the biggest. Premier League is next. NBC paid 2.7 billion for six years rights for that, which is just incredible. NHL rights that they don't have anymore. I like, it's, it's, it's quite something. So you've seen that growth and then in Canada, we benefited, but MLS for years didn't want to come across the border. They didn't need to. No. And we wanted them to, but Garber was reluctant to do that. When they did make that move, it was a slam dunk in the way that, that MLS, he ran it. You have to give him credit. Toronto SC was just the marketed beautifully and and it's been a really smashing success so is Montreal so is Vancouver 
and so was most of the northern teams because the league wasn't structured so much on north. They didn't think it was going to be northern. They thought it was going to be southern Hispanics going to be supporting it. And, they, and then they, they bring uh, uh, the Mexican team, Chivas, LA, so it's Los Angeles Chivas. And they think, well, well, the Mexican fans, well, Mexican fans will cheer for Chivas if they're Chivas yeah. fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But not if they're not cheap. No, they, no. You know what I mean? So they didn't last long. But then this new LAFC who just won the championship uh, on the weekend, um, they've done it really, really well. They got a great stadium. It's small. It's like 20,000, 19,000. It's tight. They just, it's, the atmosphere is just electric. And they've done a, a fantastic job. And unfortunately, in that final, Max Crapo, unfortunately. I'm fascinated by you. You know why? I remember following you again. Uh, Again, one of those casual media guys doing a lot of different sports back then. And you're a fantastic player. Um, I wish I would have known you as well as I know you now. Back when you played in England. Because I think your story at the time was way ahead of the curve for a lot of Canadian players. Mm. Now, you know, you see Alfonso Davies going to Bayern. Play, you know, Canadians playing in Europe. Not just uh, football or soccer, but also uh basketball whatever other sport internationally it's almost commonplace yeah i'm fascinated to know what it was like for you starting take me through the craig forest journey from where you started falling in love with this round ball this beautiful game mm. to where you ended up yeah i mean football i was not playing soccer when i was younger i was you know from five years old i was playing uh, lacrosse was my my box lacrosse was my first love and still probably my favorite sport I ever played. Like, I just love boxing. You would have been right? impossible so, to check. Yeah, well. Were you, were you a keeper or were you? you no, I was around the crease, actually. And then we'd, we'd basically, from five to, do you remember the Gary, the Gary Gates? Gates, the Gates. Gates Ga Gary well, they were Paul our Gates. age. So the two twins were, oh, wow. were playing for Saanich on the island in Vancouver. I did not know you. And they also had the Pepper twins. Did you play against them? Yeah. Oh, yeah, and we kicked their ass from five to twelve. <laughs> Are you serious? And then at twelve, it changed. Oh yeah. And that was it. But they, ne they never got a chance to play at Old Trafford, so they're so yeah. So, right, right, right. But, so, so, yeah. so you okay? So how did you go from lacrosse to? So I'm playing soccer. in the under thirteen Canadian Championships. Happens to be in Brampton, Ontario. So we fly out, and uh, we end up finishing third. We were disappointed. We thought we were good enough to win that. But anyway, that's another thing. Um, but the goalkeeper, um, also not a goaltender for the lacrosse team. Uh, for the soccer team was on my lacrosse team. The family wanted to do an RV trip and drive back. <laughs> so after that tournament, there was a there was a soccer tournament in Coquitlam, and he wasn't going to be back for it. And they asked if I wanted to play. Uh, the coach Alex Zabo, his name was, and uh, do you want to give it a try? And how old were you again? Twelve. Twelve. Yeah. Which now, if you consider players today, twelve would be oh yeah you're man, you're a late bloomer. That's you're too yeah. late. You know what I mean? Yeah. We start our kids like at five and six. So. So, so you, you as a goalkeeper, playing? I think you can yeah, get away yeah. with it a little Maybe, bit more. Maybe, yeah, yeah. And especially with North America, I mean, look did at you, this. Did you ever play out or were you always a keeper? Always. Well, yeah, that was, yeah, always. Oh. Yeah. I remember the very first goal look I conceded. Look at the size of you. I can <laughs> remember that, yeah. The first goal I conceded, I remember. It was Parkland School and Poirier down in, in Coquitlam. And we're playing against an American team. And guy had a breakaway and I ran out way too early. And I'm like, come on, you have to put it right? <laughs> yeah. And he just chipped me. And I was like, okay. Lesson learned there. So, so <laughs> a little, a little did, too early. how did you end up between the posts? Like you, you take up this game, but you know, did did you like, are there are a lot of goalies. Like, again, I hate to make <laughs> inevitable hockey comparisons, but they love the mask. They love the pads. Yeah. You, know, you got these big 
big gloves. Actually, I wish I, when I was a kid, because uh, remember goalkeepers back then, yeah, yeah. you know, Richard Berdour in yeah. Vancouver. Yeah, yeah. Everybody was short and, mm -hmm. and, and stand-up goalies. Everybody was stand-up goalies. They, yeah. I mean, Kurt McLean was probably the last stand-up goalie, I would say, you know, pretty around that time. Did you take any of your goaltending technique from other sports, like hockey oh, and, sure. and, and lacrosse? Absolutely. Really? Absolutely. And then I did some judo, which actually really helped with uh, physical literacy. For, for brawls and when you're playing against Mexico. Well, just falling. <laughs> falling. You know, yeah, just learning sure. to fall. And a lot wow. of kids get injured falling. They don't know wow. how to fall. And that's something coaches don't really coach enough when, and lots of kids break their arms and wrists and things. And so, so judo taught you how to do that. So everything kind of fell in the place, hand, hand eye coordination, lacrosse, hockey, yeah. a bit of basketball. Um, yeah. So, so when did you know that? When did the turning point happen? They said, okay, I can take this to the next level. Well, after I conceded that first goal and I was like pretty strong in other sports, but, and I was, it just, really bugged me <laughs> yeah. and I need to be better at it. And luckily they said, listen, Robert Bader was the, the keeper's mm -hmm. name. I played for my team, uh, lacrosse team. He was going to come back. He's going to be number one. But if, if you want to stay around, we will, we would love to have you around. So they had a goalkeeper coach, which is just something that even now is very hard to find on a, in a, just a regular club a guy willing to sacrifice his time. Uh, Roly Longbottom of his name. He was from Leeds, England and he was sharp and he was, he knew enough to get me going. So I was doing one-on-one -on -one training from 12 years old, basically until I was 16 when I made the move to England. Which is like, what, again, how did, how does that all happen? Like, again, keep in mind, this is back in the eighties, right? And so today we just take that thing. What, what, like, tell me about your parents, everything that was going on. And they're going, yeah. Here's my, my lacrosse guy is now, He's, he's playing soccer and he's going to England. What, what was it like? That What was that dynamic? Yeah, my mom wasn't all that keen on it. I mean, she was. You're she was, 16. She, uh, Did you have a 16? driver's license at the time? No, I learned to drive there. <laughs> Wait a second. Wait a second. So you learned to drive on the other side of the road. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I had to come back in, when I came back in the off season to get my license here. And you remember it was like a couple months away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, well, how do I do that? I'm only... I'm back in and out of Canada. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. somebody said, if you actually go early in the morning, somebody won't show up and you yeah. can go in. And that's exactly what I did. I went out and the guy was like, so he, was, he thought he had a coffee break because there's nobody doing their license. So he was like, well, we got this guy. He's, you know, all right, come on, kid. So we just drove around the block and came back and parked. And he said, no, that's, oh, nice. that'll do. Because nice. he already knew that I was, I, mean, yeah, yeah. I was like 18. Oh yeah. Uh, it wasn't like, I just turned, yeah, yeah. You know, what's your birthday? Well, today, like I, you know, I wanted to sit, right? So, so were you, were you homesick at all when you oh. went over there and, and, and were you, um, intimidated yeah. by the environment? Were you nervous? Were you anxious? Yeah. Did you foresee the career you also had ahead of you when you go to England? And where did you go to at, at first? I mean, well, clearly you, you didn't. I was lucky because there was a guy in uh, coaching the Vancouver Firemen at the time, and I played some games when I was young, 13, 14, for the men's fireman team. And that was a crazy experience. These, you know, adult men just dressing Were you still pretty tall? Were and... you tall at 13, yeah. 14? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And the coach was Phil Trenter, and he was actually born in Ipswich, came through their youth system, and ended up in Vancouver and as a fireman. And anyway, he still had connections at Ipswich Town. Bruce Twomey, another Canadian, actually played for Ipswich beforehand. So they had a, uh, a little bit of, you Canadian know, background connection, Canadian yeah. connections. And he said, I can get you a trial. So if you pay your way over and they'll look at you. So I go over there at 16, Heathrow, I get the subway into so the your parents had to pay your way over there. 
Yeah. Because you didn't have a job probably. You're playing yeah, soccer a little bit. Sure. Going to school. So I had Man. two I had my suitcases and end up at Liverpool Street and it was all black, that coal because it was all You're by yourself? All by myself. You're kidding me. And I, I, I asked some guy which way uh uh, Ipswich was, or no, 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 it was no, sorry, which the, way to the pitch? Yeah, and he, he th I'm sure he thought I was American and he sent me the wrong way. So <laughs> I'm sitting on the subway and I'm watching, them, I'm like, I'm supposed to be going over here. And so I finally figure it out, get off, and ask somebody, oh, fuck, kid, you gotta go the other way. <laughs> okay, so I end up in Ipswich, get picked up at the train station who by the, the chief scout, Ron Gray who always later claimed that, oh, I, you know, are we, our tentacles are in Canada. And yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, Ron, you didn't even come and pick me up at the airport. <laughs> I was 16 years of age. Thanks a lot. Right. Then I, and I literally drove from this train station to my landlady who I was with for the better part of two years, uh, Mrs. Bond, who just, you know, in the timing wait, and wait, wait a second. Beryl Bond, Mrs. Bond. Yeah. <laughs> Mrs. Bond. Mrs. Bond. <laughs> she was she was amazing. And you know, you think about luck and timing and everything else, and just that alone, she was like, remember, like, there's no internet, there's no, you know, none of that. Like, was there a Mr. Was, Bond or just no, Mrs. Bond? No, no, yeah, there was a. He was the, busy doing other things no, around the world. Yeah, he, he had died oh, years and years before, but uh, yeah, she was just a single old lady and oh. just wanted some company, I think. And she ended up being my second mom, and and it was a dollar a minute in '84 mm -hmm. to phone home. Like it was just she had a lock on the phone. Is she passed? She's she, she has passed. Yeah. yeah, but she was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah. What a journey. Yeah. So you get there. Yeah. You're with Mrs. Bond. Uh, you're you're playing. Uh, did you? What was your dream? What was the dream? Well, did you, did you ever see it? Kind of the dominoes falling the way they would for you. You, you know, when you're when you're 16, 17, you just your brain is such in a different place. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't think you. If you're fearless. Were you just trying to grow? Were you trying to get better? I was trying to stay out of school and pick up girls. <laughs> How did that go? Is this another, is that another podcast that you have? Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the girls was great. And in England, actually, it, 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 they, they were, yeah, they were well, a little bit more. What did Mrs. Bond forward, have to say about that when you no, couldn't bring like, them in? You couldn't bring girls home. That was, I could do anything. <laughs> I could stay out as late as I want. I could do anything, but never bring girls back. And one night I did. Uh oh, and I figured I could sneak her in, and, and? you know the homes are. It was like Coronation Street, yeah. Oh, yeah. right? I think I can. That's what I was thinking of. I, I was thinking of a Coronation I can, Street. I can sneak her in, and yeah. we can, you know, stay downstairs and everything. Anyway, yeah. she didn't talk to me for three weeks. <laughs> like literally, Mrs. Bond, come on, come on, come on. She's just nothing. She make me dinner and doing all that. But... Did she go to many of your matches? Mrs. No, Bond? she never went to any games. No. Really? Yeah. She'd read the newspaper. Did she and follow she your career later? Every word of it. Like if oh, the she... newspaper said I played shit, <laughs> she would. But no matter what I told her. No, no, it's right here. So she was like yeah. a second mom. So, yeah. so did she follow your career later as well? And and, and develop. And, and how often did you talk with Mrs. Bond? Oh, I stayed. I went. Yeah, I was over her place once a week. Oh, all isn't that the, awesome? Yeah, for the rest of yeah. And by the way, I brought Frankie Yallop. He was another. This another good time. He was uh, born in Watford, but he, his parents moved to New Westminster mm -hmm. uh, when he was ten, and then he was back. basically back in England when he was fourteen. Mm -hmm. So he had a short spell there. But so I knew Frankie a little bit, and he was a great help. Just having you know somebody on the ground and a connection and a friend, and he was super super helpful. Mrs. Bond offered him. Came and said, "Yeah, bring Frankie over for dinner." We had mashed potatoes every night. I think it was like fifty-seven <laughs> nights straight. And I, I hear Frankie. Frankie's like he's sitting there at the table, and Mrs. Bond's over my shoulder. She's making dinner and whatever. And Frankie's like looking at me. He's like, "Hey, I have a look, right?" I turn around, and Mrs. Bond. She didn't have any teeth, and she had this big dewdrop hanging off her nose, <laughs> right? And she's mashing the potatoes. And I just turned around. I was like, 
oh no, Frank, oh no. And then he goes, like, look again. I turn back and it's gone and she's <laughs> mashing the potatoes. <laughs> and I'm just like, and he goes, oh, Mrs. Bond, by the way, no, no, no mashed potatoes no, for no me. No potatoes for me tonight. I couldn't say it. I've had it 57 uh, nights in a row. So. You wonder what that little extra flavor was. <laughs> oh, that, that's priceless. Oh, man. The so, do, do drop in, he called it. The do drop in. So, um, what you went through was probably like a kid from England coming to Canada to play a North American sport. Realizing like playing, that, like, yeah. It would be like them coming and playing hockey. And it, realizing you're in the hub. Because, let's face it, hub. you're in the hub. Yeah. You're in the hub where yeah. every weekend every week yeah. they sing they dance they drink they party and they're all british all the players are english or scottish or you yeah know, you know all the islands there um, you must have loved that i did but it was it was tough uh because football players generally coming from working class mm -hmm. lower uh, working class mm -hmm. right that's that's where they're coming from so we had scots guys fighting against the english because that they got irish guys and i'm 16 trying to figure out what going on i yeah, had not learned right. this in school yet yeah. you know yeah, <laughs> yeah. why do you guys hate something you know so anyway that was a learning experience but and there's a there was there's you know bullying they would you know guys would kind of tease you because oh, you're a they, canadian they they like yeah you know. they call me yank all the time and <laughs> and you can't you can't get <laughs> you don't even, we're not we're not yankees right but you can't get upset about because like yeah. they'll just keep on right yeah, yeah. Just, it'll just be more because they just love winding up and wow. taking the pee all the time and so i had some scraps with uh, some of the, the the younger guys and we had a really good youth team and we were very successful in, in in england with our youth team and what shocked me the most out of it was when that two years of youth team was up and the contracts were up there was only three of us from that team got contracts and i was like wow we're a good team like where are these guys, like, we just let them go. And then I was like, you know, at the odds of doing something, like, it's just, just getting there and getting past that's, you know. And a lot of the young guys, they have this mentality that they, and I did too, to a certain extent. Um, you just don't fear anything. So you think you're always going to be okay until you're not. But it was, that I was like, wow, that's, the odds are just stacked yeah. against you and being canadian is a is a as a black mark right i mean if i'm coming from brazil they're paying my way even mm -hmm. if they hadn't seen me just because mm -hmm. oh you're from brazil right mm -hmm. so you, you have to sort of really help with that and being foreigner uh that that was it was more difficult and you have to just, you couldn't be as good you had to be better than them and that was that was a test as well um as time went on but i think with ipswich you know they're a rural uh, town at the time when i went there they were one of the best teams in europe they had won the uefa cup which was one of the, it was, it was meant something back then. They finished second in the top flight. Um, so yeah, they were the smallest town to win a European championship up until Villarreal recently when they beat Manchester United a couple of years ago. So small town, but perfect for, you know, couldn't get into too much trouble, but enough, you know. Um, you, you, I, I, you should have a book. I don't know if you have a book. You should have a book. No. You should have, maybe you should have your own Netflix series. Uh, <laughs> but, but, I mean, the great stories yeah. that you must have that, a lot of athletes wouldn't have been able to experience. Mm. You must look back on it now because it, I'm sure it's been, it's a blur. I'm sure it went so fast. All your playing days went so fast yeah. that it was, that maybe you couldn't stop and smell the roses, if you know what I mean. Well, but saying that, I do remember year- You had some great moments. Year though. nine, year 10, yeah. year 11, year 12. You're just like- They get a little this slower. Is, this is going on forever, <laughs> yeah. you know? And in fact, when I was done, I had had my fill. Like I was, 
I was doing it for the money more than anything at that nothing point. Nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But you know what I mean? Like I was, I was happy to be back up. I was happy to play, mm. you know, 10, 15 games a season. That was, that was fine. I was making more money than I was in 1992 when the, the, the inaugural day yeah, of the, the World Cup or the Premier League, right? So the money just kept going up and up. And so yeah. it was I, good. I should ask you, so a, cu a couple of quick ones. I could sit and talk with you all day. Um, the best player or players you've played against or with? Oh, well. Like where you sometimes actually, went, oh my God. Yes. That's what? Well, it was interesting because actually I saw one of the sites in England uh, posted something on, on social media about who's the best player you ever played with, you know, just mm -hmm. general public. And, I, and then I started thinking to myself, if I was going to pick 11, my best 11 that I played with, mm -hmm. and I started going through with them, I had like 10 strikers. I got Daver Shuker, I got Viali, I got Zola, Whoa. you know, I got one shot from uh, Costa Rica, who was fantastic. Welsh, uh, John Hartson, Paul Kitson. Uh, Kawamia, who went to Arsenal after Ipswich, like midfielders like John Work, who was a Scottish international playing in the World Cup. You'd, you'd be scoring a lot of goals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of goals. And then against them, I mean, we played against Babetto, Romario, um, Klinsman. Um, wow. You know, all the top Brazilians, all the like, we, we got that draw against Brazil a month mm -hmm. before they won the World Cup in 94. Um, so we were decent, decent at, at that time. Uh, yeah, so just about every top player and that's one thing about my career was I mean my ambition certainly was to I, I, I wanted my teammates in the dressing room to respect you that's 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 the most mm -hmm. important thing all the noise that goes around everywhere else that's just noise like I said but if the players respect you and they in that dressing room and you're in the dressing room with like Viali and Zola and then after we won the gold cup I actually went back and I was back at that time I was with West Ham we played Chelsea do you have many pints with those guys no, no, not really. Uh, it sort of changed. And with London being so big, yeah, the guys right. are spread out. And mm -hmm. so they, they socializing was uh, more, certainly in Ipswich, because it's so small. We, we hung well, out you, a you lot. Were, you were like superstars everywhere you go, right? Everybody. Yeah, that was almost, in yeah. hindsight, I think I would have moved an hour out of Ipswich. <laughs> yeah. As opposed to, because it was yeah. tough. Like it was, guys, like they, they were hard. Like if your club wasn't doing well, mm -hmm. and meaning well, that means like outside the top half, you're getting it everywhere. You're getting it at the restaurant. You're getting it at the supermarket. You can't go out on a Especially Saturday night. after losses or, 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 or droughts or losing streaks. Yep. Yeah. Wins are great. Yeah. We, we, we would just thought great. you're on the bar, you're doing belly shots. <laughs> right. Everybody's buying drinks, right? Hey. And then the next week you're like, no, we're not going out. So we decided on a Saturday at five o'clock after the game, what we did, whether it's a house get together or we yeah. might go out, right? Because you didn't, want to take it we I mean we were in a I remember Frank's girlfriend at the time she was turning she had a birthday um turning 21 I think and we played an away game in the FA Cup and I think it was Barnsley so we were a long ways from home we lose this FA Cup game we played like crap and we would never go out when we got back and by the time we got back late we went straight to the nightclub yeah it was after midnight um and we were spotted and basically the bouncers came over and said guys all we're gonna hold them in here you guys have to leave, but we'll give you five minutes to get out of here before they fucking kill you. <laughs> right? So we're like, yep, okay. Yeah, and that's go. our own fans. So yeah. it, it was hard. And then my dad, you know, I'd tell my dad about it and he'd be like, you know, Craig, you gotta realize these guys are, you know, they're, they work hard, they pay for the tickets, they, you know, they, they, they pay your wages. And, you know, so you sort of have to be, have a thick skin. Did your parents become big football fans or were they beforehand? No, or? no, no. No. How proud my, my dad how proud still must they have been of you, though? Eh? Like, they loved every minute of it. Yeah, my yeah. dad just loved it. And he never really grasped the sort of the 
tactical side of the game. Would he be in the crowd like overseas? Would he get in there with the scarves and the singing no, and that? Or would, no. he, would he be like the dads in sports now? The the serious dads who go in the corner and kind of just kind of it's because you know what the thing is? It's really tough to be a goalkeeper's dad or mom. It's good when you make the saves, but it just you can make twenty saves. Yeah. Just one goal. Yeah, and everybody all the other parents are like, <laughs> yeah. oh, how did he not save that? Yeah. <laughs> right? Oh, it's a it's a it's it's a shitty position. <laughs> you know, for the most part, it's just like There's a title of your book, right? Shitty there. position. The shitty position. Yeah, I had a front row to the shitty position. Yeah, but you were yeah. absolutely incredible at what you did. Yeah. And like I said, I I could speak with you for hours, but I just have two more for you. Um, is there in your mind or maybe in your dreams? even late at night, a moment in time that is etched. Maybe it's a save. Maybe it's a win that you still live over and relive over and over. And you, it, you, it, it's still vivid. You know, that memory that is yeah. still always vivid because you played a long time. Yeah. I mean, I have a good, good ones and bad ones. I mean, I was beat 9-0 at Manchester United. So mm. that was a record and it still is high for the record. There's now three or four goalkeepers. So we've always kidded around about that. How many saves did you make though? If you if you let it nine, you had to make a lot of saves. Oh, I was most of it, it was, was like stay, a shooting save. gallery. Yeah, Andy Cole scored five that day huh. um, at Old Trafford, and most of them were tappings because it was like breakaways, save, and then he just was in the right place at the right time. Uh, Mark Hughes, another legendary player that uh, I played uh, played with at Chelsea and and against at Manchester United. Yeah, it was uh, that was character building. I tell you, I tell you, getting beat nine nil. I thought it was 10. I literally thought it was 10. I stopped looking at the score. I so you th you relive that more? Like, you, you must have had one unbelievable no. moment, like unbelievable save, that diving save, and I'm sure you had tons of them. Well, but is there one in particular yes. off of the foot of someone, and you just went, oh, my. I you know what? live it was, forever. It was internationally, and, and I'll tell you, when I, when I talked about lacrosse, I came back and played, so I was back up, but... Uh, we're going to play the next season in a, in a game in Washington state in a tournament. Um, so, uh, they, I got to start for that tournament and the game, we ended up going so far and we went to penalty kicks. And I remember the last penalty kick, it, if I saved it, uh, we would have won the game or I can't remember exactly, but I do remember I went the right way. It was right there. I like, I got it. And it, it was wet and it, it, it squirmed underneath me and it, it seemed to just like a bar of soap in the bathtub <laughs> in the net. Really? And it bugged me for my fucking whole career. <laughs> really? And then in the Gold Cup in 2000, Espria, one of the top Colombian players, he's got a penalty with 10 minutes left. The same thing happens. It squirms underneath me, but it doesn't squirm through and in the net. It squirms oh. into my hands. And that, that second, I actually thought about it that moment, and it was exactly the fucking same thing when I was Isn't 12 years old. Something? Yeah. Because that's yeah. what sport that's what sports is about. And you've had yeah. triumphs, you've had losses, um, but maybe just as a finality, because I know there are probably a lot of parents and soccer fans and kids, particularly kids who are watching or listening. Uh, maybe some, a piece of advice. You know, now that you can look back and maybe like that letter to your younger self or your mm. a, a younger self when you're, you know, parents of your younger self. Yeah. Well, just, just, <laughs> not so much advice, but perhaps just, you know, that divining rod of, of, of some, some sort of inspiration moving forward. Because well, they're not, hey, there aren't many Craig Forrests out there. There well, aren't many Altidores yeah, out there. Yeah, and you Davies. know what? I, I'm all for being, pod, like, you know, positivity and pushing that into people. But you also have to... 
you know, have a passion for what you're doing. And it doesn't matter whether it's sports, it could be anything, mm. but make sure you have a passion for it. Do something that you've got something in it, that you want to do it. You're not doing it for the money. You're doing it because mm. you love it, really. The money is a side thing for it. And that's in kind of any job. I think that if you were going to take a company over, if that guy's more interested in money in your takeover than he is actually the yeah. love of this company, I wouldn't touch it. Um, so you, there was that, you know, and uh, it was, it was that kind of, kind of lost my train of thought here a little bit we were talking about, but uh, what was the question again? We, we can edit. Uh, yeah, just edit that. that little bit of, that, oh, that, yeah, that, yeah. So like I, a, even a mantra that you might have mm. for those parents or those kids or those, mm -hmm. th those coaches out there. Be realistic. Don't I, I don't like the selling of the dream that you see mm. in every sport. In Canada, obviously, most of all is hockey. Uh, expensive, really, yeah, it, really It shouldn't expensive. cost you anything to get better. It shouldn't. You know? It shouldn't. And we have that problem in soccer, and we have that problem with any sport. And it never was a problem in soccer, because mm. it was a simple round ball, and you could yeah. come from whatever neighborhood. Yeah, and it's still relatively cheap. Like, yeah. say it costs you a couple hundred yeah. bucks for a few, you know, whatever. And 90% of the, the, the soccer players are playing for the fun of it. They're, they're playing because the, all the right reasons, quite honestly. Yeah, yeah. They're playing, you want to play house league? Yeah, And yeah. that's where your buddies are? Play house yeah. league. If you, if, if you're, you know, parents drive their kids so hard, right? And they're just like, yeah, you know, oh, you're going to send your kids to this big academy and all that. And it's going to cost six grand a year or whatever. It's getting expensive in soccer, nothing like hockey again, but it's, it's getting, it's pricing people out. Alfonso Davies is more of a community store than a football store. Mm -hmm. The support of him around Edmonton, uh, he couldn't afford to get involved in soccer. It's See, the extra training, the extra coaches, the yeah. travel teams, all of that. You need that support. So in Canada, we pay to play. And in the States, they pay to play. Even more so, coaches make really good livings, but the the actual access to all that is expensive. Mm -hmm. So if you look at the women's national team in the United States, they're, they're, they're primarily white. They're, they're, they're white privileged women that come from families that can afford the academies to get to IMG and all these mm -hmm. different things. And, and it's, it's definitely something that's talked about. I think there's only over a dozen black women that play for the US national team. Like it's, it's, a, it's definitely an issue and that is why. So you're missing out on a, massive amount of people so the system doesn't really you know isn't conducive to uh what it is like with the brazilians playing in the in in, in the streets and the favelas mm -hmm. and then you got the african boys yeah. playing in the streets and that's all they did they're playing uh with a plastic bag that's anything full of feathers and, anything yeah. i've been to africa on a few yeah. occasions and i played there as well as uh I've uh, been there for some, you know, charity events, things, and played with the kids in the street. And you can see why they can play in a phone booth. Talent, yeah. The international, they might be a little bit technically. They play all day. They play all day, they fit as, and they can run. And they might be tactically a little bit inept. And that's really what the African team's problems was, is really at the World Cup level. And they've never quite got there over the edge. It's just, they just lack that a little bit. A little bit of discipline and tactical nuance. Isn't it fascinating though? Because I, I being in Africa myself and, and those places, and I remember playing with the kids, so much fun. The joy that these kids have playing, considering they have nothing economically. And it yeah. goes to show you that sometimes all you need is that dream or just playing, yeah. playing. Yeah, well, precious for uh, Toronto Raptors. I mean, yes. Nigerian, he, he, yeah. he just grew out, he got too big for soccer. Yeah. Um, and then he's, he's, things have worked out for him. Yeah, Pascal Siakam, same thing, <laughs> same Cameroon, thing. Same, same thing. thing. Yeah. I could chat all day. I'm sorry I take up so much of your no, time. No, listen. I, um, I, yeah, I got, uh, this is what I, I, yeah, we, I got we, nothing to do. Well, you know, we could just stay here. We don't the work World on Cup. TV anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> just sit on the couch and talk. Yeah. Um, finally, though, the, the World Cup. Uh, give me your, 
your Craig Forrestization of what Canada can do at hmm. this World Cup. Well, I know what they will do or what try to do. Um, that's pretty evident. They're going to have a, a go. Uh, and what I mean by that is, I mean, you can watch a lot of World Cup games and quite honestly, the last few have been okay. But there were years where World Cups were, if you want to watch good football, watch the Premier League, watch the Champions League, watch the league football. They're the, that's the best of the mm -hmm. best. Because you can, you can hand pick your best. Like at Man City, they got the best players from all around the yeah, world yeah. and they put them together. Um, cost is no issue, right? So, you know, that's, that's something that uh, um, is, is, is a factor. And, and, and with Canada, they could get cut open with a couple passes on counterattacks. They're going to be susceptible to that. But with John Herbin and his team, they, he knows the strengths in the attacking zone. And this is the crazy thing. And I wish I really had that. Like, I wish I had Alfonso and Jonathan David and uh, uh, Stacchio that's playing at Porto right now. I mean, this kid... Uh, decided to play, he could have played for Portugal, mm -hmm. but they weren't interested in him. So he's decides to play Canada. They would be interested in him now. I think he'd be in the Portuguese team yeah. if he hadn't already decided to play for Canada. And he's killing it at Porto. We'll take him. So you got Tejon Buchanan at Bruges. He's also in the goes into the knockout stages of the Champions League in Europe. Uh, so you got some players that are playing at, you know, nearly at the top end. So they're just under that radar a little bit. And then, but at the back, it's, it's weak. So they're going to push in, they're going to try and challenge and they're going to try and score goals. He's going to, he's going to, he's, he's like, let's just go for it. Yeah. Let's go for it. Let's get a win. We did. I mean, if you saw Canada also put 11 beyond the ball, they've never done that. No. And one of the major concerns as, uh, that I have with the team is that most of them, and I was looking at the games I play, like, 50% of them were against European. Well, we, you know, in South America, played against Chile, played a couple times, played against Brazil three times, um, uh, played in against Korea and Japan and played in Africa against Morocco and Iran. And so I played all these places. They haven't had that experience. And part of that is the Nations League that was created, which I like, but it keeps you in CONCACAF. So you're playing all these teams and a lot of the games that they played before the last group stage were against teams we never had, used to have to play, like St. Kitts and Nevis and, mm -hmm. you know, uh, even Bermuda and I mean countries that I've never even heard of these little islands. So they just pump them, right? And uh, so statistically, it looks really good. But Tejan Buchanan, I just talked about, he's never played, I don't think, again against a team outside of, mm. of that region. And recently they played against Qatar and Uruguay, uh, beat against Qatar, uh, lost to Uruguay, who was, you know, out of two quality. So mm -hmm. that was a quality team, mm -hmm. lost 2-0. Um, those are the first games they played against anybody. So they got a game against Bahrain, they got a game against Japan before the World Cup to warm up. But, uh, the, you know, that worries me a little bit that they haven't had that experience playing against other nations and just the little nuances that are different and, and even refereeing from different regions and just knowing all these different things about what you're dealing with when you go in a game against a European team or an African team or South American, all different. So we're going to see how they're going to handle it. You're like the rain man of soccer. You're like, you're a soccer savant. Yeah. I, I, see, I love it. I'm, I'm institutionalized. You, you know no, what I mean? Like, like you, I can't get out of it. But Because you love it. And that shines through. Give me a, give me a pick. Who's going to win the World Cup? Uh, Be, besides I, Canada. I, I, I can't get past Brazil. Yeah. I can't get past. They, it's just who's going to play and who's going to take mm. and who's going to be behind Neymar. They, they've got so much talent. They, they actually left Firmino, who's got six goals and 12 for Liverpool. He's had a resurgence. They, they decided to leave him. So we couldn't afford to do that. Yeah. Imagine that. So it's, they're so deep. Uh, so I got Neymar, golden boot. I think they're going to win it. I, would, I got a soft spot for Argentina. I'd like to see Messi actually pull it off, and they oh. could. 
-hmm. Also a very good World Cup qualifying. Mm -hmm. Didn't lose in qualifying. Brazil didn't either, but Brazil's just got that extra little bit of, you know, magic and... That's the word, magic. That's what the World Cup's about. I like, I just can't wait. November 23rd, mm -hmm. Canada, Belgium to start it off. I want to spend some time watching some of these matches with you because there's a time delay and you're going to be seen on Sportsnet, of course, yeah. uh, pre and post uh, analyzing. Mm -hmm. And of course, you'll be on it like five times a day on Footy Prime, won't you? <laughs> like that. I think we're going to do two a day. Two. <laughs> Two short ones. I think, well, Sharms is going to do, uh, him and Bray yeah, will do, yeah. well, they're going to be in Qatar, so yeah. they'll, they'll be on the ground. You're going to be the Joe Rogan of soccer. You're going to oh. be everywhere. <laughs> Wouldn't mind his numbers. Oh, buddy, that was so much fun. Thank Always you. Always good to good see to you, see you. Congratulations good to... on everything. Yeah, thanks to you too, man. I cannot wait uh, for the World Cup. Yeah. Craig Forrest, everybody. He's the man. Enjoy the World Cup. Thanks for being part of the broadcast. <laughs>